Let's pray together. Father, thank you uh, for the great gift that brings us here together in Jesus Christ and for pouring out your spirit that we might be drawn to him and in being drawn to him, drawn together with one another in praise. As there are churches throughout this globe gathering together to lift up the name of Jesus, may you be pleased. May our worship to you be a, a fragrant aroma and a reminder of the hope that we have based on the promise that you gave us to come and to restore all things, to return, to put this world back together. And Lord, we need it. We need it now more than ever. We need it every day more than ever. And so as we celebrate the coming of Christ, help us to anticipate his, his second coming when he will put this world in order in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, well, tonight I want to tell you a story about an alien invasion. I know, we already got weird, sorry. I'm sorry if you invited your friends tonight. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not talking about that kind of alien. I'm not talking about little green men. I'm talking about Christmas. Christmas describes something of an alien invasion. So, uh, an invasion of a holy other. Something unlike this world had ever seen in the flesh. God has come to us. And not only has God come to us, but God has become one of us. He has entered into the human story, into human history, into the human family to fundamentally change human history, to change the human family. And that, that's, what the Chris, that's what Christmas is all about. It's about an alien invasion from heaven to earth, the day that God became man. And it's what we've been talking about over this whole uh, series in, in Advent, about what about what we have been waiting for, the longing of the, the prophets, which we long for still today in the coming of Christ. But we've looked at Isaiah who saw a world that would be completely transformed by the invasion that we have come to celebrate today. And he described it from the perspective of it already being fulfilled. But he's writing it as a longing. And, and this is what it says. This is what could be expected when the Messiah comes. Unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, at first glance, it's not clear how this is good news. Unto us a child is born. The first image I get in my head is a baby being left on my doorstep. Uh, I already have four kids to take care of. I don't need another one. Uh, but, but this is not the, the image that we're given. This is not a baby that we are going to take care of. This is a baby that's going to take care of us. And this is a baby that is going to grow up to save the whole world. And so I want to take you to the first people to hear about this baby being born. This God who's born in the form of a, a baby. And it's some shepherds out in the field, just like a good alien invasion story. That's where it begins. 
And uh, they see a great light and these angels from heaven, which we read about in the Christmas story, filled the sky and declared to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is, the, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling, swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with an angel, the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth among those with whom he is pleased. Now, did you notice, uh, did you notice that it, the, the, the unto us that the prophet longed for, that we've been talking about all these weeks in Advent, that unto us has now become unto you. The angels were declaring that now the time has come. The one who would be born to us has come. And it is indeed God with us, Emmanuel. For unto you has been born in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The day was finally here. And I want you to notice the immediate effect that this has on the world. Because the moment Christ breaks into the world and heaven invades earth... There will be an immediate ripple effect, whether that's Christmas Day or whether that's in your life. And immediately what happens is an inbreaking of peace. That's the first thing the angels declare. Glory to God in the highest. Why? Because something has happened down low. Peace on earth among those with whom he is, is, is pleased. God was beginning a peacemaking movement that has continued from that day and has been going on for the last 2,000 years. As peace between God and man broke out in the person of Jesus Christ, the only one to live in an unbroken relationship with him, there was peace between the two of them when he lived on this earth. But he, is, he was crucified, raised from the dead, ascended to heaven, and poured out his spirit so that all who believe in him, who trust in him, the peace that he enjoyed with God will be given to you. The, the, the longing that the prophets had to come down, as Meg read in the scripture reading, oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down as you did with fire and flood. God did come down, but not through fire and flood, not to declare war against Israel's enemies. He came in the form of a baby. He humbled himself and took on the form of the least and the lowest so he could show us what it truly means to be human, and to begin this peacemaking movement that flows out of our relationship with God through Christ and into the world. Peace on earth among those with whom he is pleased. And that begins with each of us. But it continues so that it will never end. That's how Isaiah 9 puts it. Remember, of the increase of his government and of his peace, there will be no end. So it, it started small, but it has been spreading like a mustard seed across the globe for 2,000 years, and it will never end. But, but I just want to point out to you then, from this vantage point, you can think about Christmas in this way. Christmas is a heavenly invasion of peace on earth in the person of Jesus Christ. Christmas is the heavenly invasion. It means it, it's peace that comes from without. From above, it does, it's not a natural resource that we can draw from this earth. 
It's not found in the supply and demand exchanges of our economy. You cannot find it in the market. It's not, you can't put it on your Amazon wish list. The peace of God can only come from the God of peace. And, And so you have to understand, therefore, that the peace that Christ offers does not come as the world gives. It's what we saw this morning. Jesus said, my peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. But not as the world gives do I give it to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Peace I give to you, not as the world gives. Now you will know you've encountered peace not as the world gives when you don't have a worldly explanation for it. You will know you've encountered God's peace when it breaks in in unexpected ways. This is what the Apostle Paul calls the peace that passes understanding. Peace can break into a family like I saw happen just over uh, two years ago in my family after my parents, who were 30 years divorced, got remarried. The peace of God broke into my family. Peace can break into your heart if you're not careful. And it can do it in the most inconvenient ways. Like when you're nurturing a grudge or building a defense against someone in your heart. And the peace of Christ can break into your heart. And the kindness of God can lead you to repentance. It's so annoying, isn't it? But the peace that calls you to repentance can break in. To all those who surrender to Christ. Maybe you don't want to surrender. Maybe you don't want an inbreaking of peace like that. Many don't. But... God's peace does not negotiate with our hostility. God gives no peace to our grudges, no peace to our unforgiveness. He gives peace to grace when it flows through us. He gives peace to forgiveness as it flows through us. As we forgive those who trespass against us, we ask for your forgiveness, right? This is how Jesus taught us to pray. Peace can break into broken marriages and families and lives and, and when this happens, heaven is invading earth. Yes, this is exactly what Jesus told us to pray, isn't it? Your kingdom come. He's talking about an invasion. Your will be done. When does God's kingdom come? Wherever his will is done. And so the peace of God can break into this world at any time. So I, I thought what would be fun just to wrap up this series and wrap up our night as we prepare for Christmas tomorrow, I want to tell you about one of my favorite stories of how God's peace broke in to this world in a most profound and unexpected way. It's a story about the Christmas truce of 1914, and uh, it's what I'm calling the day the peace of heaven invaded hell on earth. Now, Uh, At this time, the world's at war. It's 1914. And the 20th century, early 20th century, was a century that generation looked at with optimism. It was a century of possibilities. With all the advances in technology and medicine and science, we were moving into a new era of human flourishing. And it finally seemed that we would be able to bring the world together into some kind of utopia. But by December 1914, all of those naive early hopes of the 20th century had come to a screeching halt. The world was at war. The nations of Europe were anxious to expand and defend their borders. 
and virtually an entire generation of young men were enlisted to fight for their country. Naive boys kissed their mothers goodbye one last time and went off to what they looked at as an adventure. It was supposed to be over by Christmas that year. But by Christmas Eve 1914, barely four months into the war, over a million of those young men had lost their lives. You see, with all those advances in technology came a commensurate uh, advancement in, in weapon technology. Technology in general will lead to weapon technology, technology advancements. And what that meant was the battlefield situation dramatically changed. Prior to this, it wasn't so dangerous to, to approach the battlefield or retreat from the battlefield, but now with the advent of the modern machine gun, that was the most dangerous place in the battle. It was the approach and the retreat. And so the only way to avoid being mowed down was to dig down into the ground. And that's what led to a, a whole new era of trench warfare. As the shovel became the national defense of many nations. Because they had to dig themselves essentially a six-foot house to sleep in underground and to live in. And they were in the trenches and this, this created a strange battlefield situation because now the, the only way to get close enough to fight your enemy was to stay close to your enemy, <laughs> but you had to lay low. And, and, and now, prior to this point in, in battle, uh, in, in the history of war, the place you went to fight was a place that you went and then you left, but now the place you went to fight was the same place you went to bed. And now your enemies, the ones that you would normally run away from and get as far away from as possible, now were your neighbors. And they literally lived across the street. These trenches were, were, were now defined the lines of the Western Front that ran along the borders in parallel tracks, like nice, neat, neatly placed neighborhood rows. These battlefields have become neighborhoods. And now these, this slim strip that separated enemies, it, it, it was at some place, it was only like 30 yards apart. But that strip of land represented infinite distances. It was called no man's land. It was not a place fit for life. You didn't come above ground except to fight or to die. And so uh, this is the situation. You can imagine why. Hell on Earth is an, is an apt title, an apt name. But, but from, from the day one of the war, shots could be heard constantly fired back and forth. There wasn't a, 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 a time of day or night you didn't hear the weapons of war. And there wasn't a soldier alive in December 24th, 1914, that didn't want it all just to stop. For everyone to lay down their weapons and for peace to reign in the land. But it couldn't. Wasn't up for negotiation. You couldn't stand on common ground with people in no man's land. There is no common ground in no man's land until Christmas Eve 1914 when British and German soldiers witnessed an unleashing of the greatest power this world has ever seen. 
It's not the power to win war. It's the power to end war. It's the power of peace. That evening, there was a hard pack of frost on the ground turning Europe's war theater into one giant amphitheater, making movement all the more risky because you could be heard. And so there was an unusual silence in the air that night. But it was the perfect setting, perfect environment for the German named Walter Kirchhoff, who'd been professionally trained as an opera singer to, he was a tenor, to, to fire his special weapon across enemy lines that night. It's a weapon of a different war, though. He was a Christian, you see. And he had gone to war to fight because he was just a pawn in the hands of people who had more power than him. But that night, he, he fired the weapon of song across the British trenches. The language was foreign, but the tune wasn't. Stille not, Heilgen not. Oh, I'm not going to do this. I'll screw it up. <laughs> da, 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 da. And then the Brits fired back. Silent night, holy night. And what followed from that was a miracle like we haven't seen since the day of Pentecost. As everyone sang in their own tongues and heard in their own language. Because they had all found the one thing that could bring harmony across all tribes, tongues, and nations, across all enemy lines, even in no man's land. Silent night. Help me out. Holy night. singing lasted through the night and on Christmas Day in 1914 109 years ago tomorrow a little strip of land in the western front became a little slice of heaven as the peace of Christ rained down and brought men together across enemy lines in no man's land in a Christmas truce gifts were exchanged Communion was shared, and they even famously played a game of football. The Germans won, unfortunately. Don't worry, we got them back, guys. Sorry, I shouldn't have said that. (laughs) But it all began with a song, and it is a song that echoes from that first Christmas day. We would not sing that song but for Christmas, because on that day, just over 2,000 years ago, the same thing happened. God sent the Prince of Peace across enemy lines to declare a word of peace on earth, goodwill to men. He was wrapped up in swaddling clothes. They came to the inn. There was no room for him. But they didn't didn't have any room for this king in their world, you see. And so he was sent out 
in no man's land in the end. And then he, was sent to, he went to Jerusalem to save his people, the very people who would crucify the Prince of Peace, who was dying to save them for their sin. And he was crucified outside the city gates in no man's land, where there he made peace and calls us outside the gates, as the book of Hebrews says, to find peace with God in the most unexpected places. Because in the cross of Jesus Christ, you understand, God has declared war on death itself. He declared war on your sin, died for your sins in the person of Jesus. Jesus went to the grave to declare war on death, and God declared him the victor by raising him from the dead and inviting you to enter into the family of God and enjoy eternal life with him, the Prince of Peace, God with us, Emmanuel. And what we are here tonight celebrating is that he has come, but more importantly, that he is coming again. And when he comes, there will be no ambiguity about him coming. He is not coming as a baby in a manger. He is coming to judge the world in righteousness, as God's word says. And that's the world all of us want to live in, a world under the judgment of God, believe it or not. Because you know what that means? It means a world with no more heartaches and no more headaches. It means a world with no more betrayal, no more injustice, no more oppression, no more war, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. Yes, come Lord Jesus, bring your judgment and save me the sinner who would fall under it apart from Jesus Christ alone. We come to him with empty hands, with with empty hands, and he calls us to follow him as peacemakers. The first invitation, blessed are those who are poor in spirit, who have nothing to offer, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Do you qualify? You do. And then the invitation, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Let's pray together. Father, we give you thanks for not just the gift of salvation, not just for forgiving us of the punishment we deserve, but for the grace and the mercy to bring us into the family and give, me, give us so much that we don't deserve, to be brought into the family of God, to be given eternal life. And I pray, Lord, today that you would reawaken this grandiose promise that is supposed to take the shape of hope in us. Help us to hope big today. Help us to expand our faith, to, to see the Christmas vision of a world gathered around Christ, living in peace in a kingdom of righteousness and justice. May it be so. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Well, as we uh, conclude this service, we are going to remember what, what John's gospel teaches us about the Christmas nativity. You know, John's gospel doesn't really get much attention at Christmas because it's too cosmic and alien and otherworldly sounding. But hold on, guys. But John says this about Christmas, about that little baby who came in the manger. He puts it like this. Light has come in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. 
And for the past 2,000 years, that light has been spreading across the globe as the increase of God's government and God's peace is continuing to expand in Jesus Christ. So it's in that spirit that we light the Christ candle. There is a light that shines in the darkness of death that can lead you through this life without fear. Because when our light goes out, his light still shines. Amen? So, Maccabee, will you hold this for me, buddy? Okay. All right. It's called Descent, a Christmas poem by Malcolm Geit. They sought to soar into the, into the skies, those classic gods of high renown. For lofty pride aspires to rise, but you came down. Yeah. Come over here, Moose. But you came down. You dropped down from the mountain sheer, forsook the eagle for the dove. The other gods demanded fear, but you gave love. Where chiseled marble seemed to freeze their abstract and perfected form, compassion brought you to your knees. Your blood was warm. They called for blood and sacrifice. Their victims on an altar bled. When no one else could pay the price, you died instead. They towered above our mortal plane, dismissed this restless Flesh with scorn, aloof from birth and death and pain, but you were born. Born to these burdens, born by all, born with us all astride the grave, weak to be with us when we fall, and mighty to save. Mighty to save. Go and adore him this Christmas, our wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Amen and bless you.